0: Rebecca Korn here, CEO of Rise, Rain, Roll, Recovering Financial Advisor, and the queen to the reigning queens of whom I coach and so incredibly bring such bright light into the world. To those who are joining us inside of our podcast for some drips of value, don't forget to visit our Facebook page, Free Her Rain, where I drop weekly nuggets of things to help you keep moving forward as women, as a queen, inside of your business, relationships, spirit, and body. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a really, really special topic and special guest today where we're going to talk about a very difficult and real topic uh, about the raw points of instead of being an entrepreneur, being a human being in this time and space, so much going on in the world and so many energies shifting and changing. And there's so many questions after weeks of attacks on different places of the world, we have been sitting here asking ourselves the same things. How did we get here? What does all this mean? What does this mean for my life? And what can I do about it? And so I'm hearing a lot of conversations around Doctors Without Borders and uh, aid that we are sharing over there, and that is a beautiful thing, but you know what we're not talking about is how to really cope with the dynamics of a loved one that maybe is in the military, um, how to cope with the aspects of, of such radical change that is happening around every corner, it seems. And when we feel this way, we sometimes forget to care for ourselves in other ways, or, or perhaps we, we feel avoidant in caring for ourselves in other ways because it feels like such a privilege and it feels like such a luxurious thing to do in the face of of suffrage. And sometimes taking care of ourselves isn't something that is extraordinarily luxurious. It's sometimes just a thought process shift. And maybe that comes out of this podcast today. I don't know. But one of the ways that I will say has been incredibly helpful for a lot of my very close girlfriends as well as myself is... Really sitting and breathing. Breath work is something that the Navy SEALs operate very closely with. And when your body is contracting or just finding itself in a little bit of an anxious anxious cycle, whatever you're doing, take a really nice deep breath. And and you can do a box breathing, which is a really simple breath work technique where you take a really really nice breath in, and you can do this for about five counts, two, three, four, five. And then you can hold that breath for another five, three, four, five. And then you can breathe out through your mouth for five. And then hold it at the bottom for another five. And I want you just to repeat that as I continue talking, because sometimes as you breathe like that for a couple of rounds, what happens is it allows you to just shift the internal ways that our body responds to stress. Another couple of pieces that I just want to land in front of you that are quite simplistic but really grounding before we step into this incredible interview. And I'm really excited about this. Um, But the next piece of this is to get moving. So go out for a walk, uh, revisit nature, just reconnect with yourself. Um, Maybe learn a new skill or um, jumpstart your your exercise time. Um, Either one of those is such a, a beautiful thing. Sometimes nourishing in the right way is also a really good thing. Maybe, you know, the the lasagna that is your family recipe is not the best thing for you, uh, but maybe it's just a comfort that takes you back to simpler times. Maybe that was a recipe that your grandmother used and she always reminded you of the resiliency that you have. Next piece is Stay connected, but know when to connect. <laughs> and what I mean by this is have a specific time where you actually,, um, read the news, where you actually take space with the news, right? I, I wouldn't recommend starting your day with it. I would not recommend ending your day with it. So particular time in the middle of the day, and think about this as a business owner or an entrepreneur, um, where you're just getting started, you, you don't have a lot of time in the day to really be focusing on a ton of, of news pieces, right? And so it's very interesting because like when I say to somebody, hey, just check out the news in the middle of the day, most of the time they don't, they don't have time for it or they'll see like headlines passing by and they'll say, you know, Rebecca, I haven't, I haven't actually caught up on the news in a couple of days. And that's also a really beautiful shift as well. The other thing is taking time with a Kindle for me recently, it has been one of the best practices I have ever had. Yes, a book is lovely, um, but sometimes when you have a Kindle, you can read it, first of all, in anything. Uh, no, this is not a sponsored post. I, I had a Kindle given to me as a gift by my partner, and I kind of looked at him kind of strange. I kind of razzed him a little bit. I was like, a Kindle? And he goes, yeah, I'm kind of surprised you don't have one. And, and I have started to just sit and, and read this Kindle like a little kid. I mean, I take that thing everywhere. I am reading it while I'm hiking at times. I am reading it while, um, it's really sunny and I'm just sitting outside on the patio. I am, you know, catching it and in the evening because I don't have to have like a light. I don't have to have candles on. It is such a convenient thing that even in the bright sun, I can still see it. And the interesting thing is it actually has a like pressed ink style. I don't know what this is called digitally, forgive me. And this is not my purpose to like talk about you getting a Kindle, but I will tell you that the the way that it relaxes my eyes when I'm looking at it is actually more soothing for me than a book. I am traditionally the ear, um, the, I, I make like those those earmarks on, on every book. I am the person that takes like little notes in her books, et cetera. And it is actually a really fun thing to not do that and really just sit and receive the pieces. Um, it's been such a beautiful experience with that. And, and because of that, I'm not around my phone. And so what I'm getting at here is it actually creates such a, beautiful getaway. And it's an escape that I would strongly, strongly recommend. So as we step into this next section and I introduce, um, Vicki, Vicki is such a force of a woman. Um, she has so much knowledge and perspective, from a perspective of, of believing in the, in the possible and just understanding that life is a journey. When I met this woman, she stated to me that she felt she never had met herself outside of the identity of being a military wife. And she was very certain in that role. And she had an absolute tragedy where her entire world changed in about 12 hours. Her husband, her beacon in life had unexpectedly passed away when they were sitting in their retirement home to enjoy the fruits of her labor. She was on her way home and she got the call that, that nobody wants to call, no, nobody wants to get. And her husband, Robert, had passed away within about 12 hours and this was not part of the plan. What I want to focus on with Vicky though is, you know, the next part of her life, but also her resiliency as a military wife. When we are supporting our boys and they are in the military or you have a loved one that's in the military, there is this stress and strain that starts to hum. And I hear this a lot with a lot of my girls who have um, partners and, and spouses in the military and they are very, very stressed and strained. And when you have your breath taken away in a variety of ways with what's going on in the world, I find that there are very few people that can really understand that stress. Vicky is one of them where she, went through years and years of being a military wife, moving and shifting to support him, understanding that, oh my gosh, there's there's this going on or there's that going on and having a lot of stress and strain and and knowing how to deepen your resiliency to support. And so as we go into this podcast, when she talks about you know, how to navigate different stressors here. I, I'm really going to dig in with her because I think for each of us, our impossible may look different, right? But journeying along the way is deeply important. And meeting ourselves with love and understanding is something that Vicki can definitely talk to us about. In the wake of her husband's death, um, she created In Memory of Robert, which is a financial coaching Um, business that she has been operating and and just is thriving in that space, just watching the impact of her heart and her passion for her husband in the wake of his death. And whether they're just beginning their path or they're going through an unexpected life journey, uh, Vicky is, is crafting this fearless path for everybody in that space. So let's dig in to this podcast and interview with her and let's see if we can shift some of our energy together. Hi, Vicky, Welcome. Thank you. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So tell us a little bit, you were a military wife for, for how long? 29 years. A, a little bit of time, ladies and gents, right? A little. <laughs> um, and when you were in that space uh, can you tell me about some of the some of, uh, what I'm hearing I'm just going to share a little bit about what I'm hearing from my girls. you know a lot of my ladies are expressing stress with supporting their their partners through so much that's going around um, the world and there is the news component and there's the friend component and there's the Facebook component and it just feels like they are constantly getting, you know, hammered with things with young kids, and they are, you know, very stressed out. They are expressing, you know, a lot of nervousness and a lot of anxiety. Um, as a military wife, how would you guide them?
1: It's tough. I think you have to learn to be strong. You have to learn to become independent. You play mother, father, taxi driver teacher, whatever you have to do. Um, when I was in it, it started in the eighties, but then we were in Virginia beach when desert storm hit. And that was my first real experience about it. Um, you just have to be, try to be positive as you can. That's the biggest thing, but it's something that's self-learned, self-taught, um, the support from the people that are around you. If you have that, I guess, luxury to have those military wives, um, the, the other people that are maybe on your ship or in your command that um, already are there that can give you support. It's a huge thing, but that's not something that's very predominant nowadays, um, especially with what's going on today. It's it's something that I try to stay out of with a conversation. I, I don't get involved because I have a whole different outlook on it.
0: Yeah, and I think I think as a military wife, you probably have a different outlook. You you had mentioned Desert Storm. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience through that? And you know how did how did that come up? Was he assigned there? Can you? He was
1: not assigned. He was stationed um, at a base in Virginia Beach, Norfolk area, and there was a chance that it could happen. And so, most of my friends' husbands. And they would come to us and say, what do you think about this? Some of the other husbands would bring home what they call a dream sheet. They'd have it filled out and here your orders come and you don't have a choice when those orders are issued. Um, but he would always say, what do you think? And we'd fill out the dream sheet together, which I think that's a huge that's a huge thing, Rebecca. Um, having the communication, having the relationship status with the spouse, whether it's the husband or wife or partner or whatever that's in the military, Having that communication open, and I I think that's a a huge thing nowadays with everything, that you need that communication open to help guide where you guys want to go. If it's not a partnership in that aspect, then it's it's not a lost cause, but sometimes that support helps, and that gets you through things together. Um, Back when Desert Storm hit, he didn't have to go, but there was another period of time moving forward up to about, I don't even know what year it was, um, probably late nineties that he said, what if I had to go over to Byran to a shipyard? He was, he was an engineer in the Navy. So he overhauled ships, built ships. What if I have to go repair what is damaged? I'm like, it's in your blood. This is what you do. This is what you love to do. I support you hundred percent. And I think, again, it comes back to the communication and the support and the positivity that it's hard to produce it sometimes, but you have to, you have to show them that they are supported. Um, there's a lot of breakups that happen from military being overseas for a long time. They just can't. The other person on this side of the water can't deal with it at times. So a lot of things happen, and it's sad.
0: When that happened, how old was your son? Desert storm. He
1: was. Well, he didn't go. But when all this was happening, he was elementary school to, through high school, all those years, years.
0: So you had a young child. As, as your husband is, is moving in and planning and, and asking you, Hey, what if, what if this happens and you are expressing to him, Hey baby, this is, this is part of what you do. Is that, is that, I mean, that is incredibly courageous from where I am sitting because I cannot imagine that you would, you would really want to say that at that moment, but also the respect that you have for your partner and what his passion is, I mean, that, that comes through to me as I'm listening on this side, is that something that you developed very much intentionally?
1: I don't think it was intentional. I think anything that you, whatever your spouse's job is, you don't fall in love with them for what they do. You fall in love with them for the person that they are. And you overcome those obstacles and those barriers that you have to learn to overcome um, I don't have any brothers and sisters. So my parents were my support and my friends. Um, my parents, especially my mother understood the military more than any of the other family did. Um, Bob was the first one to go to college. He was the first one to go in the military. And it was something that was great. He was two years enlisted and then got a scholarship to a local university, Villanova and commissioned an 81 and made it up through officer 06 next to Admiral. And came home one day. He had 29 years, one month, and 11 days. Couldn't make it to his wow. story. He said, I'm I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And the Admiral wasn't going to let him retire. And the Admiral said the second time, when I retire, you can go out. So he went out. And he went out on a, on a very high note. And um, I think the recognition that they get, we don't hear until they're standing at the podium going through their retirement ceremony. But I think a lot of it is just being the person that you have to become, you have to change. And if you're not willing to change and you're gonna be bitter about, well, there he goes again, he's gone for six months or he has to deploy for three months or even two weeks in the reserves. Some of these people just, they don't get it. And those relationships, unfortunately, suffer. But with a child, as long as you have that communication with the child, I think that's important too, whether there's one or two or three children. Mm -hmm. It's huge.
0: So you're, you said your support was mainly your mom and your dad and, and some friends because you didn't really have like a, a large family to really lean on. Um, how did you decide who would be your support in that season? I didn't decide.
1: My mom, I lived in Seattle when some of this started and then Virginia Beach. So we were far away from Pennsylvania. Um, and again, the other family was my military people, the people that I became friends with, the people in my command. You we had dinners we had parties we got together and went on trips together and things like that just to pass the time um and involve the kids so when you're in a military city like in virginia beach norfolk area there's a lot of people in the same situation but when you come up to like pennsylvania where there's not you don't have navy you don't have an ocean around you you don't have that branch but i have the military here and at the army um I've met a lot of people that are retired, so again, I've got those connections, and you keep in touch with those people for the rest of your life. You just develop those relationships.
0: I bet. I mean, that's that's such a critical part of of life, and and so much respect for the way that you crafted the people that were around you, because I think that if you have the wrong influences, right, it can shape your it can shape your psyche, it can shape the way that you're thinking about what he's doing over there or how it's happening. And, you know, oftentimes what I see is, you know, we'll be in a session and my girl will get a phone call and she's like, I have to take this Mm -hmm. because it's the only time that, that he may call for the next two weeks, potentially. Um, How did you, how did you juggle all of that with, with such a young one? And, and you were doing other things. I mean, there's other things, your life is going on at the same time, you know, How did you juggle that?
1: Um, Back in the 80s, we didn't have communication like we have now. So when he would call, it could be three o'clock in the morning from Japan or he was on a six month Westpac cruise. And then there's other times that, again, you have to take those calls because that's the only time you may hear from them. And you kind of got to drop what you're doing and just do it. Um, And with um, funny thing, when Marcus was a baby and Bob left when he was six weeks old for six months. So we, we recorded his voice and he would talk to Marcus. And I put a picture in his crib with his hat on with the hat and the uniform that I knew he was gonna be departing the sub from when he came back. And um, Marcus knew his dad when he came back because of those things that we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have uh, FaceTime that we could do this across the world on international status. We didn't have all that. This was in the eighties. So I was blessed to be able to take from some of the older wives I was in my 20s and um, just moved forward and, and put a picture in there. And as he became older, he looked at his dad and I play little snips of his voice on a cassette tape recorder. You, you wow. do with what you got, you know, you learn, you, you just move forward and learn each day as you go on. There's a lot of sad times. There's a lot of downtime that once the kids go to bed or they're at school and you're not working per se. But I did go to work because I needed to fill my days. So, you know, you just you adjust and communicate. That's, they're the big things.
0: So you, you filled your days. You did, you did the, you were anticipating your baby's development and saying, okay, Hey, listen, this is, this is your dad. You know, this is what he sounds like just brilliant way, way to, to connect that the, the family into, okay. He, he might be doing something and he is persevering in what he is important to him right now. And we support that wildly. What else? You also filled your days with what, with what felt very, very important to you. What else did you do to really, um, level out some of that, some of that negative thinking or some of that anxiety? Were there any pieces there that you've learned that really help you? Okay.
1: Um, there was a lot
0: of it. I think,
1: if every person is strong enough to let go of some of the negativity and find the best in every situation, you let go of what you choose, you pick and choose your battles on that end um, and learning to deal with it and self-trust yourself and self-adjust to the situation of whether it was back in the 80s and 90s or whether it's 2022 and what's going on in the world. Um there's, un- there's unresolved pain. There's always going to be that unresolved pain that you have to kind of work through. Um, and then, you know, moving forward to when he retired and losing him five months after he retired, again, being the person that I was in those 29 years, the mother and everybody else, that made me stronger to move ahead and be more independent. And that's, the, that's another big word is you've got to establish that independence. Um, some women say to me, why'd you marry a husband in the military? And again, I will reiterate, you don't marry somebody for who they, what they do, you marry them for who they are. Um, Well, he could get killed. And I said, you can walk across the street and get hit by a car, it's just as easy. I mean, you never know when your time's coming. Obviously, I, I know that for a fact. But with him, I think it was a matter of, again, adjustment, communication, learning to accept yourself and find the happiness, whether it's a small amount or whether it's a big amount, Moving up to the day when they come home, we didn't have the communication. So we would hear maybe 24 hours before the, he was on a sub. So the sub pulls into dock and you're preparing and you try to do it. I mean, they missed Christmas. They could have missed birthdays and, and other important holidays. And, and obviously Bob missed Marcus's six months of his first six months of his life. And it was a, it's an adjustment when they come back because you get used to what you did for three, six months and then all of a sudden they're home. You have to incorporate now this other person into your life, and he didn't understand anything about a baby. He left when he was six weeks old and came back when he was six months old, and the child's crawling and communicating and becoming. You have anger
0: person. about that? No, no. no. Did no, some people, did some of the other military wives have anger about that?
1: I left and came back to the east coast and went to Phoenix, but because we had base housing, we had to occupy it after ninety days. So I went back for one night and left again. Um, and I was blessed to be able to go to, I was supposed to go to Japan for Christmas of 82. And I ended up in the Philippines. Um, there was the situation that their, their, their situation changed at the last minute. Um, but a lot of it's top secret stuff that you, you know, I jokingly asked Bob one day, how deep does a submarine go? Is goes deep enough? That was the answer I got. Um, so a lot of the stuff they can't talk about because it's all top secret stuff. So again there's there's many quadrants I guess you could say to the situation that you have to just learn to you can't have answers to everything so you just take with what you've got and you move forward and it's tough it's a tough road but I don't have any anger I have no anger no resentment
0: nothing so the the trust that you had built in the relationship really had to go very deep, especially when you can't know about certain pieces mm-hmm. there, right? when some stuff when stuff is top secret. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would imagine that relating to people in conversations that do happen could be very triggering because people don't people don't read news in a way that that they understand that like there is top secret stuff and and they're not really reporting on what's what's real yeah. here, right? So did you, did you watch the news back then? Like, was that something you never, you did not watch the news? I watched the news, but it wasn't
1: some, it's not like it was now. It's, it's not projected on social media. And like you said, with TV and newspapers and things like that, it wasn't projected that much back then. Like desert storm was in the news, but it didn't affect me because he was still there. So he wasn't really directed at that time when it got up to the fact of when Marcus was in high school and he might've gone overseas Then it kind of got a little more than I watched, but this was like late 90s, but it it never happened. He never had to go. But um, today I just look at it. and I mean, he was in D.C. for 9-11. And he was supposed to be in the wing of the Pentagon. that was bombed. And we were in Bethesda and I was working and I can tell you where I stood and what I was doing that day and.
0: Again, until you go through that
1: situation and you move forward again.
0: Yeah. So, so were you paralyzed by fear then? Were you ever, did you ever consider yourself paralyzed by fear? You know, I have I have some of my girls that are that are in this space where, you know, a girlfriend will say something or they'll overhear something. Um, and you know, I'll get a phone call, they're in a bathroom at a restaurant and they'll say, Rebecca, I'm I am absolutely freaking out. My family or my friend is talking about what's going on? I'm terrified. I'm so scared. And I, I, I don't know where he is. I don't know what's going on. I have no answers. You know, how do I deal with this?
1: I think that fear came up, um, a couple of times, especially for the first six months when he was gone. But again, I don't know how I made it through. Like I look back now, I, you know, reflecting on it this week, when you and I talked in the beginning of the week about this today, I reflected back on it and I'm like, I would do it all over again if I had to, but I would do it the way back in the 80s and 90s. I would not want to be there today, but I would do it. And if he stayed in till he was, I don't know, if he would have stayed in over 30 years, I would have done everything with it. Um, the military life is, you're in a, and the way I, I projected this to people is you're in a bubble. The wife or the spouse, whichever, husband, wife, whatever, is in a Two situation. We're in a bubble where we see the military side of it because we're living that half of that life. But then we're also seeing on the outside where all the military enlisted, reserved, whatever they might be, even retired. They come out and they have to come out and face reality after Bob's situation, 29 years. When they come out, they're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I told him one time, don't retire because the grass isn't greener on the other side. Like you've got it made, you've got the guaranteed paycheck. You know, when people are laying off, they can't lay you off. I mean, there was times that we didn't know if the budget was going to be passed, but they always took care of the military. Um, You've got your you get out and you're out in the work world. And there's people that get upset with veterans preference. If you go out and get a government job and you've got all these years and they're like, well, I didn't get promoted because this guy, you know. Um, But yeah, so those two bubbles, I lived both sides. I lived in my world out here now and I lived in the military side. and. Yes. Now there's fear, there's frustration, there's anger, but you muddle through, you, you, you do it one day at a time, one step at a time, one minute at a time. When you hear from them, it's like they've been there all the time and those two weeks and you may not hear from them for a month and you don't, you don't have the right to know what they're doing in a way. I mean, that's harsh to say that, but you really don't. It's in a situation, especially with what's going on now, you know, I, 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 I cry when I see these women um, when 9-11 happened and they showed that little, there was a commander's wife that was in DC. She was pregnant with her second child. She had a, I'll say two to three year old son and 9-11 happened and her husband was in there and never came out. And I can sit and feel for that. I mean, the tears, they just come to you, you know? And I saw this little boy stand there waving a flag and it's sad, but this child today, they showed him on TV. I don't know when one of the anniversaries with 9-11 and I was like, wow. And he gets up, he was a teenager and he's talking about his dad. Um, You know, it's one of those things that you just, the pain never goes away. It just doesn't. So
0: yeah. And, and that's, that's part of, um. I think, I think what I'm feeling so deeply for, for these girls is that there is. there is a whole other subset of experiences that are happening in this world, uh, for these military wives or for these military partners and for purposes of who we're talking to most of the ladies. Right. Right. And, you know, when I hear about your story and I just put myself in, in your shoes of, you know, you just gave birth to a baby. He's gone for six months and, and just the mental toughness, the resiliency of the way that you focused your mind to not connect to other stories or what other people said, because that, that could be, I mean, could very easily have a downward spiral of experiences right there. And it would be very reasonable. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault a person for that. So, so I guess my question would be, What kind of advice would you give somebody to, to expand on their, on their mental resiliencies? Um,
1: I have a few ideas. Um, I think self-care, just learning to love yourself. And that's so hard to do. After I lost Bob, I had to find who I was. And I did find that. And I found that through opening a business, um, and naming it after him. But when you can love yourself and find yourself even in the darkest places, um, The external things are like icing on the cake. I mean, they just they fit into who you are, um, finding that internal happiness and external happiness. And you live for your children. You have to be strong when they're around or even your family and friends. And then when you're by yourself at night, then you can sit and reflect or when you have time during the day and just sit and reflect on those things that, you know, find the happiness in every situation that you can in a situation like this and just look toward the end and don't look at what's sitting in front of you, even though it's there every day. Um, I came back here and worked with um, special needs children and I had to leave my situation on the outside of that brick and mortar building every day and come in. And it was a learned patience, but it was something that I did it for eight years and I loved every one of those kids. And they showed me a side of life that they had no care in the world because they're free and carefree and joyful. And, and, you know, I walked out of there every day thinking I made an impact on somebody. So helping somebody, um, volunteering with with people, encourage them to, to hang out with you. Go volunteer. Take your take your situation and, and try to make the best of, you know, what you have and how you can move forward with it. Um, I, you know, I say, and, I, I, and I, I've had this in my phone for a while, and I was looking through some quotes and stuff that I put in there, and I put in there a long time ago, I have loved, I have lost. I've changed.
0: Oh. And um been... I'm sorry. No, it's great. It's full-hearted. Thank you. You know,
1: finding the balance is a whole thing. And I think that's um whether it was back in the 80s and 90s or whether it was today, it's hard. I I the military isn't as close as it was back then. And I would do what I had to do all over again back in those days, but I would do it again today. I'm
0: sorry, I didn't want to cry. No, it's so beautiful, babe. my i'm it's I'm all my life. Over here. <laughs> um, I, I I love what you said too, about the um, you know, helping special needs children. I think that was so beautiful, too. It's something that you know, I, I oftentimes when I'm, I'm speaking to you, you're so many other pieces of, you know, military wife, uh, juggling so many other pieces and, and, uh, financial coach and leader and mover and shaker. <laughs> I see this woman who is so resilient and, and so determined to make a difference in her lifetime. And, and you use your time so wisely oh, thank when, you. when you were around the special needs children, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, what what really lit up for you? That how did you find that? Why why did why did you go that direction?
1: <laughs> I had education experience. I couldn't have a career, and that's the other thing with military wives: you can't really have a career. You're moving every we did every three to five years, so you get settled, and two years later you're on the road. So I decided to when Marcus started school, I went in and became a teacher's assistant. And I started that and then I became a library secretary in Virginia Beach for like five years. And I was in the school, moved back here and um, knew I wanted to do something. And I decided to substitute, got my certification for emergency cert and went back and just applied when I had to pick up my life in North Carolina and move back to Pennsylvania. Started applying for jobs because I knew I couldn't sit around and I was 58. No, I was 49 at that time. And I. Um, Got hired at the high school, and they interviewed me with the teacher that was getting hired. Autistic, and I never, I mean, I didn't know what autistic was. So they hired me, they hired her, and we started off a brand-new classroom, and she went on maternity leave. And, I mean, we had we had support in the classroom, and there was other aides in there. And then I connected with the teacher who was the life skills teacher, and when I, I quit in 2011, I just... I, I got my license for my financial license, and um, I was going to take this, and I started doing it part-time, and I substituted over that time, and I had a child that was very challenging, and again, there comes the challenge, and I thought, this child is not going to take over my situation. It was a long-term sub from April till June, and he said to me, and I had one goal, and that was to get him to stand and say thank you and please and he was he was all over the place. And it was a middle school student, my specialty was high school. And but they wanted me to do it. I had lesson, I did lesson play. I did the whole thing. They gave me this little room with him, and he would lash out, and he would get very angry. And he looked at me one day and he said, "God made me lose this video game." And I said, "No." And he looks at me and he got mad. I said, "You know, and so those situations you learn, but again, Rebecca, I went through that and I decided that that challenge, so the end of the year, he moved to Florida. He gets on the bus. He had the most, he had like long blonde hair, big blue eyes, just a sweet kid when he was having a good day. Um, and you see a whole different side of those kids and you feel for him. He gets on the bus and he leans his head out the window. He goes, hey, Mrs. V. I said, what's up? He said, thank you. I'm going to miss you. Mission accomplished. I still get chills when I tell that little bit of a story today, but I I may, you know, I got my goal. And, and when, you, when you look at things, no matter what life you've got, if you've got a goal for yourself and you push forward as much as you can before you're told emphatically, no, it can't be done. Um, you know, things take time sometimes and you have to wait for them, but the wait is worth it. And that was, that was, I went back to school and worked following a couple of years after that. And then I quit in 2016 and they begged me to come back. And I said, no, and so I started my, my business um, in 1950, in 19, God, 2000 and whatever it was, but I've got my business and 58 years old and started being an entrepreneur. And here I sit today with you, <laughs> but it's been a blessing in disguise. And I love what I do.
0: I mean, I think what I hear is that every, every journey, every piece of your journey of life has been about impacting others and really crafting the meaning that is the brightest, right? And and connecting to the light consistently. I mean, you you around every single corner post baby right away, uh next level, which was I mean middle school, high school, he is constantly going out and and you are persisting and impacting special needs children and, and people who are, who are seeking financial coaching and stuff like that as well, you know, and, and even in the wake of, of Robert's uh, passing, you know, which was, which happened unexpectedly, you know, there's so many layers there that, that you have redefined yourself in so many ways and carried him inside of you. I mean, talk about a love story.
1: Thank you. I do have one thing and I do say this um, with the people that I work with in all aspects of what I do. Um, I look for the opportunity to help somebody and whether it's to encourage them or makes them feel positive um, that leads with the passion of what I do and why and where my story came from and, and what I want to do moving forward with my with my life period um, you know I try to positively impact people and help them when I can and um, especially the ones I've met and worked with um, you know it, it's it's something that I guess I finally found my passion, but I found it later in life, but it it goes back. And when you think about the conversation that we had, it started back then, but it wasn't as, I guess, vivid in my mind as to what I was meant to do. And I didn't find it until later in life, but you know, here I am.
0: Well, and I think that the state of mental health for entrepreneurs too is, is such an isolating experience that it's very much like you know, a lot of the things that you are expressing, you know, they face adversity. They have so much rejection. They struggle with so much by themselves. That, like you can't really discuss it with somebody that is outside of that world. Right. They have this low self-confidence at times in their journeys and that dealing with ourselves and, and different, you know, layers of things, Vicki is such a hard thing. So I think that you know, what I'm hearing you say around the secret to bouncing back is, is really just connecting to, um, what brings joy and impact and just having grace exiting conversations that aren't serving you, uh, walking away and holding that boundary and, and saying, "Mm, no, thank you. You know, not exposing yourself to even the thoughts that, and allowing yourself to go down that rabbit hole is such a beautiful experience to, to witness.
1: That's hard to walk away from those situations at time because it's like, no, I want you to hear what I have to say because I experienced it firsthand. And then it's like, no, just, you know, if it doesn't serve and you leave it and you just, it bothers you, but you, you learn to let it go. And that's That's a couple of the hardest things I've had to overcome, especially with the widow situation. I have a couple of friends that are widows and the one feels like I do. And then there's one that's she's lost. But sitting across from the table, being the financial advisor with this best friend of mine, I didn't mirror myself until probably a year or two into her situation because I looked at her as a client, as a person that I'm helping with getting their situation taken care of after the unexpected passing of their husband. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there looking at her one day and I'm like, Deb, I've got 10 years on you with my situation, but I was you, I'm you, I look at you and I see myself. And I think if you can put yourself in those situations and not see yourself yourself, it helps, but then you also see yourself. So you even want to help more. Does that make sense?
0: (laughs) It totally does. It really does. I think it's, I think it's a different way of reflecting on yourself as pain, as painful as it can be at times. Mm -hmm. And it's helpful to not only internally review, but also reflect on, on how, The world is moving and how, and how everybody is experiencing things in so many different ways. I think your sensitivity and your heart, the way that you connect with people, you know, you, you give them so much space to, to be themselves. And that's really what comes forward to me as you're discussing this, because, you know, you, you allowed spaciousness for your son to be himself. You allowed for the spaciousness of yourself to be yourself, even, in the the marriage and the partnership of, of all of this changing stuff, including flying across the world and moving, and having to make decisions very quickly, I I am in awe of your resiliency, babe. So incredible. Yeah. I
1: think the worst part right now is Grace and my grandson. Um, he never got to meet his grandfather, but I I don't sugarcoat. I don't tell him exactly what happened because it's too horrific for a 10 year old to understand, but he knows, you know, and that's, that's a blessing too, because Marcus and Lindsay both tell him things. So, you know, if you have the support of even, I mean, my son was 25 when he lost his dad. I I can't even fathom that, but Marcus and I talked a lot, you know, and if you've got that open communication, and again, Rebecca, it goes back to the very beginning of the 80s when that communication has to be there. And I think that's huge. I think that's especially now and kindness, you know, being there for others and just being kind. There's not much of that in the world right now, I think. And, and you know, I try to find it and put it out there with everybody else, but it's tough. But again, um, you know, I, 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 I love what I do. I love helping people and, helping these women with, um, just some words, hopefully that will inspire them to be who they are, find themselves.
0: Well, you, you wildly inspired me. You know, I think that the world, the the recent statistic I I had read was that the world is approximately 86% in codependency and what you are exhibiting is interdependence. And, this great love that you had and have, and you continue to walk in the light of. And for me, I'm, I'm so grateful for you sharing your story. What would you, what would you leave them with? What, what kind of, um, are there any other words that you would leave? leave Yeah, I have a couple. Um,
1: you're a unique individual soul and you shine your light differently than others. Um, and the secret to being happy is to being accepting of where you are right now and making the most out of each and every day. Even if it's the littlest tidbit of happiness. Um, I learned to, to find happiness in nature, which I never had before, um, in the past going on 15 years, because I was so angry, but then I learned, I'm like, it's not going to help me to be angry. So you learn to go outside and you see something and you smile at it, or it's tough, but that's that's the way that I got through all the situations that I've been through. And you made me look back and see a lot that I didn't reflect on for a while. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, the journey has been tough up and down, but you know, again, it's what makes you who you are today when you come out of those situations makes you stronger.
0: There's one little story that I'd like to land here to the audience who might not know you. Um, you know, I met I met Vicky uh, in Virginia. She had decided that this this last year that she was coming down to Virginia to revisit um, the home that you guys grew up in um, in Virginia Beach. And I live in Virginia and Charlottesville, so it's more central Virginia. So we met in the middle. And as she's coming down, I was thinking, I wonder what would be most impactful for her. And so we met at this, there's this park that has this beautiful Japanese, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, this Japanese like connection to it. And we're walking in this park with her mother and herself and, and myself. And out of nowhere, there's this enormous buck that walks almost majestically right in front of Vicky. And I'm, I'm walking back behind her a little bit with her mother. And her mother looks at me and she goes, that's for Vicky. And she looks forward at the buck and she goes, I wonder if that's Robert. And Vicky does not see or hear any of this. She she is. Yeah. She had no idea what had gone on behind her. She was just totally connected to this buck in front of her. She got these amazing pictures and, and, she just started tearing up and not in sadness, which was the, the most beautiful thing to me. It wasn't in, in the fact of, of loss, as far as I could see, it was more of this overwhelming love, this overwhelming appreciation that she understood in that exact moment that there is nothing in our control. It was more so that this like confidence of knowing that there are these beautiful things all around her at all times. And it just touched the deepest part of my, of my soul. in that exact moment, I will never forget that for the rest of my life. Yeah, and that, was,
1: that was amazing. He just picked his head up and there's this gorgeous animal standing there. But yeah, you learn to look at those things. Um, the Cardinals, the, the Hawks, things that Bob enjoyed. Yeah. Yes.
0: So there's reminders of joy around every corner. And I think that what I'm taking away is that we can root in our courage because it takes courage to have joy and attach to joy in the way that you are so wisely teaching us. And so I so, so appreciate that, Vicki, you are such a beautiful force of light.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate you so much too.
0: So amazing. Thanks. Thanks. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Rise, Rain, Rules podcast here with Vicki Verbos. Please check her out. Uh, she is part of I More Financial, spelled I-M-O-R, I-M-O-R financial, and just remembering that each of our impossibles may look different, but the courage in seeing the happiness around every corner and connecting with that light is a part of our kindness and a part of our humanness. That's beautiful. Thank you, ladies and gents.
1: Bye-bye.